proposed rule changes in college football. I'll be quick with this. No untimed plays at the end of a quarter. Now, again, these are proposals. Nothing's happened. No clock stoppage at the end of a first down, except last two minutes of each uh, half. And incomplete passes, clock starts right up upon the spotting of the ball. Are these needed? Well, I mean, if television says they are, they are. I mean, because television pays the bills and television, you know, is what props up college football. So if this is what's needed to make it a more profitable product, then I'd say, yeah. And honestly, I do think those games can drag on a bit. And I do think that some of the things that we see and at the field are, are a little unnecessary. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, outdoor sports, you know, it can be 100 degrees and you're sitting through the fourth quarter of, you know, some blowout game or, or some of these fans could be freezing and you're wondering why why does it have to be this long? So, yeah, I'm on board with it. I, I think faster games are good. I mean, I guess I'd never really step back and realize just how much faster NFL games are than college football, but putting it into perspective, I I don't have any problem with it. Reading Dennis Dodd, he said the average NFL game is 155 plays. College football is 180. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, like I said, I I don't have any problem with it. Um, I don't think it's a matter of necessarily trying to make it more like the NFL as much as just trying to streamline the product and, you know, get the same quality and have, you know, get rid of some of the unnecessary plays. I mean, do we really think it would change the outcome in games? I guess that'd be my question. If if I thought it was going to change how games the outcome of games, then you know I might wonder about it. Um, seems like it'd be harder to game the system if it's shorter like that than than now with some of the things that we see. So I'm in favor of the rule changes. I, I, again, I don't have any problem with it. I I think that you know I don't think you need to be held captive by tradition, and so many times we are. Uh, you know, there's got to be changes made for progress most occasions something that we talked about earlier griff what about instant replay you got a minute and if you can't get it done in a minute play on the field the call on the field stands well i mean getting it done i mean i don't know that's that's another tough one um different games have different camera angles uh i do think you need to have somebody in the booth that makes a decision you know, but there's a lot of those replays where you watch it and you say to yourself, boy, I could see that being called either way, you know, especially on the judgment calls, you know, as far as, you know, targeting. You know, I go back to the Georgia-Ohio State game and the hit on Marvin Harrison and, you know, Ohio State fans are like, how in the world could that not be targeting? And Georgia fans are saying, well, what do you mean? How could you call it targeting? So, you know, the interpretation of the rules, I think, is, is a lot more important than um, anything else. And I don't know that changing the time allocation for that will really have any effect. So, again, I, I'd give that one a thumbs up as well. Also, we were talking, and this is not related, but it does involve changes. I think probably, Griff, in the next five years, they'll eliminate kickoffs because of the collisions. Well, yeah, you know, I saw the XFL kick. Was it XFL or USFL? Whichever one of those is. Started. I haven't really paid a, quote, a lot of close attention to it. Yeah, 
I, I like theirs. I don't know if you saw how they did that, where the you know the players start about ten, you know the kickers deep and the returners deep, but the the blockers and the um, coverage guys are only about ten yards apart. To me, that's the answer. I mean, if you want to protect the you know the kickoff play and the excitement that it brings, or the dynamic, I suppose, you know, without putting people um, you know at further risk, I, I think I think they've got a good answer with the way they're doing that. To me, that's if you're going to keep it. And I, I think you need to keep it, you know. I mean, again, I know I just said that progress requires change, but to me, special teams is part of the game. And I don't want to see those, you know, eliminated or even lessened. You know, I like that that's that third dimension of the game. So I, I would I would adapt that rule that we're seeing from the XFL right now. That looks effective to me. Georgia Dog down on the Emerald Coast says Griff gave a great explanation of Ray Golf's influence on this current Georgia staff. Can he please share it? Yeah, I mean Ray Golf recruited Kirby, Bobo, and and Muschamp, and Ray Golf was also the SEC Player Offensive Player of the Year uh, one year and won an SEC championship. And kind of disappointed that he's not recognized at Georgia in their you know, circle of, you know, honor or fame. I guess one of the one of the things that you've got to be is you've got to be an All-American. And um, Ray wasn't an All-American, but I said, my God, if you're the SEC Offensive Player of the Year how, how, and you win the SEC, how, how does that not trump All-American status if you're the SEC Player of the Year? I mean, I, I just can't imagine, um, you know, but, you know, I, rules are rules, I suppose. I, you know, I'd like to see Georgia recognize Ray Goff a little bit more. I know his, you know, coaching tenure – um, you know, it didn't prove elite, but a lot of good things happened under Ray Goff. Eric Zier became the SEC's all-time leading passer, and as I said, he signed Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, and a lot of other influential uh, Georgia players that came in. And you know, he was still kind of operating a little bit under under the uh, kind of under the thumb of, of Vince Dooley, who was the athletic director back then. ADs had power over head coaches. I mean, kind of seems like a novel concept now, but but that's how it really was back then. Here's another note. Tom in Myrtle Beach. Rumor is that when the SEC goes to pods and nine league games, the cocktail party will not always be in Jacksonville anymore. I want to tell man landed on the moon, too. I mean, we, we've been talking about this for, for three or four years, that that Jacksonville was likely to lose Georgia's designated home game. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with pods as much as it does Georgia wanting to have that home game in Athens because of the uh, financial and, and uh, recruiting advantages that it brings. Um, you know, Georgia makes a lot of money on their home games. I know Jacksonville had been giving them more money, but you can't put a value on bringing kids into your stadium for an official visit. And that would be one of the marquee games that a lot of the top recruits in the country would want to come and see. And right now, you know, it, it kind of goes to waste. Now, Florida, theoretically, could, I guess, still have got kids on their campus. You know, maybe not the game, but their campus is only 69 miles away from the stadium. So it's almost like every year they could be using this, um, you know, as an inducement. You know, bring them to the campus, and then, you know, they're on their own for tickets or whatever. Their, their campus is 16 mi- 69 miles away. Georgia's, what, 340? So I think this is something Kirby wants to do. I don't think the pods have really much to do with it as much as this is something Georgia wants to do, and it's their designated home game, and this is the last year of the contract of the game being in Jacksonville. Now, I think Florida would probably keep their designated home game with Georgia there because, again, it's only 70 miles away from their campus.
Trey says these new rule proposals, one I would not like is after an incomplete pass, the ball is spotted, then they run the clock. That'd be really tough on a team that's behind if you're trying to catch yeah. up. Yeah, don't get behind. I mean, it, it's tough on a team behind anyway. Um, you know, I understand what he's saying in terms of how we're used to watching the game. Um, but, again, if you've got to shorten the games up, you know, you've, you've got to take measures to do that. You know, we're, you know, we always see these coaches calling the back-to-back timeouts. I mean, I think that's one of the other things that they're talking about getting rid of. Um, you know, th- again, these are all proposals, and I don't know that you're going to get all these changes in one swipe you probably get two or three of them. Um, so I'm kind of with them. I, I kind of like, you know, seeing how teams throw incompletions on purpose to stop the clock and all that. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we're out there to watch them play football. And, you know, don't don't get behind. I mean, you can't really, you know, complain about it. Um, you know, it, it's to the disadvantage of the team that's done a good job getting ahead. So, I don't know. It seems like we're just chattering a lot about, you know, stuff that's out of our control, Bill, honestly. I think TV, like I said, they're in charge. They make, they pay the bills, and they need to speed the games up, and, you know, they're going to have to pass two or three of these rules to make it happen. Well, and I've had a few people hit me up and say, well, Bill, just why don't you just cut back on the ads? That's never happening. So don't even. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's, that's never That's happened. what pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> if anything, they'll add more. They're not going to take away from the uh... – the revenue stream. Which... Well, you want to increase the value of the product, and I think shortening the game does that. And, right. You know, it also, you know, makes for, you know, more convenient TV windows. Um, that's one way to look at it if you shorten the game. I mean, uh, and that's really, again, that's really where where we're going with this is, you know, television and, you know, what makes the most sense for the viewers at home. Jeff, too, says, Griff, are you coming to media days in Nashville? Also, the SEC basketball tournament's here. And if you do come, will you tour Vanderbilt for all their new upgrades that they're building? Well, I, you know, if I was Vanderbilt, I would have an open invitation for all the media coming. I, I would say that on, you know, whatever night that Vanderbilt University is going to, you know, welcome, you know, whatever members of the media that are in town for the media days to take a look at their facilities. That's what I'd do if I was Vanderbilt, you know, to kind of spread the word and show everyone, you know, how invested they really are. You know, I guess this would probably be the most major upgrade since Roy Kramer was the athletic director there. What, 81, 83, something like that. Is that I think I'm right about that. So that that's what I would do if I was Vanderbilt. I mean, as far as my schedule, probably not, you know, because the people of Georgia don't care. And I'll have a ton of Georgia things to write about, um, you know, while I'm there and things that are related to the program that I cover. I'm curious to see it. I'd be interested to see it, but I, I can't say that I would take away any of my Georgia coverage to go out there and look at a you know, Vanderbilt football facility. But you'll, you'll be in Nashville for those two events, correct? I don't know about the basketball tournament yet. You know, it's something we're kind of talking about. Um, you know, I've got some other uh, coverage things coming up where we're pretty heavily invested. And, you know, if, if Georgia basketball can show some promise, I think, you know, we certainly want to go there. But, you know, the problem with Nashville is it's kind of priced itself out. I mean, it's <laughs> that's a really, really expensive city, and um, you know you have to be careful with your budget. You know, when you cover a national championship football team, you know you're, you know we're we're making trips, eight, nine day trips to you know Los Angeles and you know wherever the playoff, like where they're going to be this year, Houston, I guess, the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, we're like anyone else; we got to budget carefully. Um, I think I'd probably be there. I'm just saying that you know part of it's just 
how bad Georgia basketball's been. I mean, they just lost by 49 points to Alabama. So, I mean, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, but, again, there's other things right now that I'm planning for. You know, SEC spring meetings, four or five days down there. Destin, that's a big event. And certainly, um, you know, the SEC media days going there for the entirety of that. So uh, basketball right now is kind of up in the air. Griff, I was looking at that Georgia-Alabama game this past weekend on DraftKings just to see what the in-game spread was. It was 43, and Alabama still covered. It's amazing. Yeah, you got to get you got to pay for better players. 50. I mean, you, you you get what you pay for in basketball. Simple as that. And you know, Georgia doesn't want to put the money up to get the kind of players that Alabama does, then they're not going to they're not going to beat them. I, I don't I don't know how else to say it. You know, you you get what it's you true. pay for in college athletics these days. And, and you know what? It's really always been like that. You know, it's what you invest into your facilities. It's what you know. Yeah, you can point out every now and then a Cinderella team will win a game they shouldn't. But for the most part, the team, this is really simple. The team with the best players wins. And the team with the best coaches gets the best players because the best players want to play for the best coaches and get developed and go to the NFL. And it, that's why Georgia's the best in football. It's why they're not the best in basketball. You know, I, I think Mike White's a pretty good coach, um, you know, but he's going to need a little bit more salary to work with if he's going to try to compete with Alabama and, and you know, Tennessee's and Kentucky's and places like that. Stephen, who is a surgeon in Athens, Georgia, big Georgia fan, says that he tries to go to baseball games. He says there's very little interest in that either. It looks like they don't care about that much either. Well, the fans care. And, you know, Stephen's one of the people that goes to the games to fully field. It only holds 3,500. But they, they, the stands are usually pretty full. Same with softball. Um, but Georgia's facilities plan has not been aggressive, right? It's the opposite of Tennessee. Tennessee has always been all in on facilities, having the biggest and the best. That was kind of the secret to their rise to power in the 1990s and why they became a national program. They were able to recruit nationally because they had the best facilities in the SEC back then. And the other SEC programs finally caught up, most of them. Now, Georgia and Florida, you know, because of the amount of talent in their state, you know, they kind of felt like, ah, you know, we don't really need to have an indoor facility. We're Georgia, we're Florida. Weather's pretty good here. But they were kind of missing the boat, right? Clemson kind of jumped them when they put that money into their facility about, what, eight or ten years ago? All of a sudden, Clemson became a superpower. And, um, and Georgia was a step behind. They caught up in football, um, but they're not yet caught up in a lot of the other sports. And this is a tough time to play catch-up. You know, our current government has a strategy that involves higher interest rates. Um, our construction costs are up. You know, our supply chain management issues have been pretty well documented. So this is an expensive time to be trying to play catch-up. And, and you can only do so much at one time. Georgia's about ready to finish up a $30 million tennis facility, which they prioritized over baseball and softball. Um, you know, they've held NCAA tournaments in Athens, and I think they want to hold it there again. So everybody get in line, and, and tennis jumped uh, baseball and softball. So now we're, I think, one or two years away from baseball and softball, you know, trying to catch up or get closer to the middle of the pack at least. Right now their facilities are – are lagging behind, and they're buoyed by their talent in the state of Georgia. But, again, you get what you pay for. Griff, we'll see you next week, sir. Appreciate it, Bill. Time in Myrtle Beach. Bill, it's fun to see Griff on the beach in a suit. Dude always dresses professionally, even in Destin. Yeah, when he's on the, uh, I guess it's the Pine Bomb set or what have you. He's all, yeah, he's dressed up. Uh, Griff, Griff uh, makes a good presentation. No, he really does. 
get a break here. Omni Nashville Hotel.